All right, off we go. That's not fair. Fair warning. Good morning, folks. It is Monday, November... No, December 2nd. Oh. Start again. <laughs> I'll come in again. I'll come in again. December 2nd, 2019. 1984. <laughs> uh, another beautiful, beautiful morning here. Thank you. This is the this is the portion of the show where we talk about the weather in case in case y'all have missed the past few episodes. Yeah, we're only talking about it because it's just it's it's completely out of the norm for uh, for Houston, Texas. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, you can't you can't yeah. I think you'd have to travel to Mars to find a cloud right now, and it's uh, yeah. the mid sixties. Yeah, it's really just it's it's really it's like yeah, I wouldn't else. say it's perfect, but it's like you know just on the just on the edge of being jacket weather i yeah. thought about turning around and getting my jacket today but i i decided not to yeah hell with jackets so we talked about this a couple times on the show uh I don't know, a couple months ago i think but we have there's a page on the website that talks what about blackguards.com oh, whoa the website where we talk about house concerts and private engagements in general but specifically i mean most for the most part house concerts well, we'd been talking about it this weekend. We'd mentioned it a couple of times to yeah. some friends of ours. So we're uh, so um, yeah. D- d- depending on your area, you might want to just check on that and just see where see where these are. Th- these these are just wonderful events, just because there's not a uh, there's not a uh, you know you 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 take away that the, you know the unknown of uh you know of of a pub you know slash club slash whatever. You know, so uh, we have, you know, the, the, obviously the host has control of the the, the numbers, so it's usually a, and, and you know, a very intimate setting and uh, that kind of stuff. So it's you know, it's a we, we've 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 done a handful of them now, and uh, thanks to the 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 Nania Mania Incorporated, we're uh, we're we're kind of putting the foot to the floor on that, and yeah, just to, and especially now we're we're. Uh, uh, a couple of dates that we just uh, we just uh, landed the Bethlehem, Pennsylvania Celtic Festival. So we're going to be going up, uh, cool. See our friends up up and around the uh, Pennsylvania area, and uh, do a lot of Midwest here in, in 2020. And uh, it's just mind boggling to me that we have a few more days till the till till 2020. 2020, it's just, yeah. It's it it's obscene. 2020 just sounds so futuristic so uh th- i this occurred i was thinking about this th- this came up after when we, we recorded a show a while back where i, th- I guess we we're talking about we may have talked about uh some stories about running into famous famous people i can't remember if that was a whole show or not but you, no well, definitely wasn't. No, yeah and you told me you told me a long time ago you told me this funny story about about running into ingve malmstein when you were living yeah, in florida was that right yeah um, this is a, another one of those '80s stories. The the as a lot of you know, and some of you don't. The the '80s was absolute, just astronomical, massive, ginormous for hair bands, and we were you yeah, know, we were talking about them last. You last know, week. it was it was great for it was great for hard rock in general, you know, and um and and and, and again. You know, people like Van Halen that kind of started that fire, and then the rest of them that just added to it. Um, so, 
Well, I moved here. I moved to the States in 87, and uh, I went to Boston and went. Um, w- w- I learned very quickly that I didn't like winter, so I moved south, and I ended up in a pa- place called uh, Florida, and I lived in Pompano Beach, uh, South Florida. And so my stomping grounds back then was um, Fort Lauderdale, a um, place called Summers on the Beach. That was my main hangout um, or the button south when you wanted to, you know, just go a little further and f- a bigger venue and some in- incredible bands I saw. And some of the bands, I don't know if they ever quote unquote made it. Uh, I don't, you know, if, if the eighties killed them off or whatever, but bands that could stand with any of the, the, the big arena acts that you see now, I saw at this place called the button south. And uh, this this time in particular, and I don't know, just, uh, you know, uh, show note here, Chad sprung this on me this morning that we were going to talk <laughs> about this stuff. So I was going to talk about, I was going to, you know, talk political stuff, you know, and just, uh, <laughs> you know, get deep into the, uh, anyway, so, uh, so, so, so yeah, the Button South is, no, this is, the, this is the, 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 the top bands of that time were, Bands like you know anything that you saw on MTV, and you, you'd probably be better. Uh, uh, you'd probably have have more names than I would, but I mean the stuff that I can remember, like bands like Skid Row and Bon Jovi, and just all these bands were just dominating, not just MTV, but everywhere, every car radio that you heard. Because again, yeah. summers on the beach, you know, in Fort Lauderdale, that's that's the that's the spot. You know, you go down there, and it's just everybody has their 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 stereo in their car has to be louder than their outfits and their you know so so you hear whatever it is and that was just basically the so we're into Slayer and Metallica and Maiden and all that stuff you know we're, we're listening to and then there's the, there's the other side of it but everybody seemed to just you know just get along and you know you go to these clubs and it was it was that was the that was the spot you went and you listened to and you heard all these new music and I I wish I could remember some of the names of these bands that I saw at this club. Uh, anyway, so yeah. so so that's just setting the scene. You can cut all this crap out. Of it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so this one night in particular, uh, young lady and I were at the uh, the club, and and again it was it was just like you would have seen on this you know on the MTV or the the you know the, the any of those shows. The, the outfits were just hideous, you know. The girls in the the neon, you know, very very short, extremely short <sighs> skirts, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know, big heels and massive hair, and uh, you know, and then the girls would wear no, and then the uh, you know, and and if, and if, you know, so it's, it's a parade, you know, everybody's everybody's there for show. That and that's the other thing I couldn't get over when I went to shows over here is people would get up and walk around during the act. They'd go out and they'd, you know, because they had to be seen, so they would be <laughs> out walking the thing. And, as, and uh, you're, missing, you're missing the show. Right. So, uh, oh, my God. Anyway, so th- th- this particular night, uh, this particular night, we're, we're at the, this, uh, this, uh, the Button South, and uh, we're at a table down by watching the band, and, you know, it's just having great fun, people watching and just, I have a great time. Well, this this uh, gorilla um, about about you know he's, 
about the size of a you know of a of a you know of a you know you guess a young oak tree or something he just comes over and he <laughs> and he, and he, he tapped my, my girlfriend at the time had tapped her on the shoulder and uh he said uh, Ying Ve would like to buy you a drink <laughs> and I said what the fuck did he say it was it you know so apparently this this guitar player Ying Ve Malmsteen and uh, uh the only thing bigger than this guy is his ego is is massive and a guy can play guitar no question about it now he's the only only famous for his solo stuff where he act, was he actually in a band yeah he was in point? a band i don't know the name of the band uh, it's, it's probably uh um i i remember hearing some of the lyrics and and want, never wanted to know who the band was <laughs> uh um he, yeah i'll have to look that up but and he's kind of like a stunt Guitar player, sort of, right? I mean, no, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's he's played with orchestras and he's played with, you know, he, he does that, that, that stuff. I mean, he can, and and he plays, he's classically trained. Okay. And he's, uh, um, you know, he's famous for, you know, playing this, you know, these Fender Stratocasters and in, in his, uh, he's a Ferrari, he collects Ferraris and it's just, uh, Mm -hmm. um, just, I mean, he's he, he one of those guys that absolutely belonged in the 1980s and really should have stayed, should have stayed there. <laughs> you know. Just, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, um, I didn't know who this guy was at the time, but when I looked up to see who was who was going to, so this guy had come down this, you know, this 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 uh, this bodyguard, you know, which of course he didn't need a bodyguard. Nobody knew who he was. I mean, I'm sure people did, but. Uh, sent this guy down. And I look up, and there's a VIP section. When I say a VIP section, there's two velvet ropes that are, you know, uh, uh, you know, in 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 in, in closing the, this small corner, you know, on this far part of the room. That was, you know, they had reserved that for him. You know, uh-huh. so it was a, it was a, you know, like a couch, a table, and a, you know, two velvet ropes, and that's where Ying Van Malmsteen would have his, you know, and he would send his. Uh, send his boy down to get to you know to pick out the 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 girl of his choosing so and i guess i guess that was an 80s thing too is if you're you know is if you're more famous than you know you then you get your pick <laughs> it was a, and I, I i you know i was very 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 funny uh yeah very funny but what it what it didn't, didn't she send it what did she say back to him oh she told the, she told the the bouncer to you know piss off i think if he had was you know if he was bigger at the time she would have <laughs> gosh but uh yeah this um and you had you, you had plenty of run-ins in uh, new york when you lived up there right and you ran into uh, i did yeah a, a ton of a ton Charlie of encounters Bassett. i just remembered something though that uh bears bears mentioning before i moved to new york uh when i this is 87 when i was working at uh buteras delicatessen oh, yeah and uh anybody who's my age or a little bit younger, but probably remember Buteras. There was a chain of uh, of Italian delicatessens in, in Houston called Buteras. It was spun off of the old family grocery store that used to be on Bissonette. That was the, the best day. one, though, the one yeah. that you worked at? Yeah, the, the Montrose location, the Chelsea Market, which was just torn down. That building is gone now. But that was really my first job out of high school, was working at Buteras uh, when I was 18. And uh, worked there for about a year. <laughs> Um, and, uh, that was a really popular place and we had a lot of, uh, you know, it was kind of the place to go uh, hotspot. You know, there was, uh, 
really popular lunch spot in particular. There was breakfasts on the weekends were really huge, particularly Sunday mornings. Um, so I remember like Bill Baeza from a uh, from Channel Two, I think he's a local news guy in Houston. Uh, I remember seeing him there. Uh, people like that. But anyway, there's one night. Uh, it was kind of slow, and we had a lot of regulars who would come into this place too. And I know that uh, for, what's his name? Uh, um, God, I forgot his name. Bon Jovi. No, he was a local playwright who died a few years ago. Oh, taught at U of H. He used to go. On, he used to be in there all the time. Oscar Wilde. Damn it, I can't remember his name. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the, one of these nights, it was kind of kind of dead. It wasn't particularly busy. It was a probably a weekend evening or something like that. Maybe maybe six or seven in the evening. And uh, one of our regulars comes in with this really uh, conspicuously uh, famous looking person with uh, dressed all in black, dark sunglasses, dyed black hair, kind of very pale skin, and uh, they're moving through the line and ordering stuff and i i didn't actually i didn't get the weight on this these two guys it was, must have been helping somebody else but my friend joe helped him all the way to the end of the line and uh he comes back up to me and i'm looking at this guy going that guy looks really familiar and so i walk up to joe and and uh by this point our manager the manager on duty at the time i think his name is mike had come out because he had he had noticed it too and we all can we all congregate by the drink station, and I think it was Mike who said, "I think that's Roy Arborson." Like, no way, really. And as we're as we're kind of chattering under our breath uh, about this, trying to figure out if it was really him or not, they because they went off and sat kind of this far corner of the, of the place, and uh, and the regular who had just come in, there was just these two guys too. There wasn't a huge entourage or anything. Uh, the regular guy, our, our regular customer comes up to get a refill on coffee or something. And, uh, Mike, the manager asked him, is that Roy Orberson? And the guy looked up kind of like fear in his eyes. Like, yes. Like, you know, with this look in his eyes, like, please don't bother him. <laughs> you know, please don't, please don't make a scene. I went, Oh, cool. That's awesome. And he was like, okay. <laughs> he kind of relieved and he went back and, but, uh, and, and, and I wish, cause this is, this was right after, uh, the traveling Wilburys had come out uh, and, and Roy was kind of riding this, this wave of this sort of resurgence in his career at the time. Cause he just had that big special, I think it was HBO or something yes. where all the Bruce Springsteen and this Lyle Lovett and all these people were, were with him on that. Elvis Costello. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he just, he had a record out that was produced by um, uh, Jeff Lynn. Right. Was that, the, didn't you do that with, uh, yeah, um, he may have. Was this all yeah. around the same time? Yeah, yeah, Jeff and I weren't talking at that point. <laughs> it was all around the same time, around 86, 87. Uh, George Harrison came out with Cloud Nine, produced by Jeff Lynn. And then uh, Rory came out with his 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 record that had uh, You Got It on it, which yeah. uh, he had co-written with Jeff, I think. And, um, which incidentally, and Traveling Wilburys. Yeah, everybody yeah. needs to go and revisit the Traveling Wilburys. Yes. <laughs> God, what a... I can't tell you how many times we've listened to that record. And get, <sighs> get that there's a, there's a box set that's out. Um, that has both of the, their albums on it, plus a few bonus tracks. And there's a, this really fascinating documentary that that's on it that uh, you've got to see. It's just <laughs> those guys coming together. In case you don't know, Traveling Wilburys was this this special uh, sort of super group that was formed by George Harrison, really kind of off the cuff. It was George, uh, Tom Petty, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, Bob Dylan, and Jeff Lynne. And uh, 
Ah, the drummer. Sideberry. Damn it. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. God uh, damn. All right, it'll come to me later. <laughs> this is terrible. But anyway, so Traveling Wilburys had just come out. So that I, I, I knew, I really only knew about him because of that. I'd, I'd heard of him like the same way I knew about Johnny Cash and all these people from, from, from that era. But I didn't really know anything about them. So, but that, that, when we found out it was Roy, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then it wasn't until years later when I really started to appreciate and I understood what a legend this guy was um, that I looked back on that. I was like, I can't believe I was that close to him. And he only, he died. That was the same same year. He died later that year. Just suddenly of a heart attack. That's probably the food. Yeah, right. No, that was that was an incident. That was one of the best uh, delicatessens slash. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I, that's that was my local too. When I moved to town, oh yeah, because I only lived a few blocks away from. So so Chad and I actually crossed paths about three thousand times before we'd actually met. Um, you know, we, we talk about Houston being such a you know massive city. It's actually a very very small town mentality we really do we've got a we've got a very um it's a very for the size of it it's actually a small town feel it's a it's very wonderful in that regard but yeah that was a great um that was a great spot um uh but you also ran into you also ran into uh, a bunch of really famous people in new york as well right Uh, jim keltner by the way i just remembered that was a drummer in traveling wilburys yeah very famous session player i was thinking rick allen right (laughs) jim jim had played with with everybody he played with george he played with rory he played with john lennon uh you name it harry nelson anyway moving on (laughs) yeah new york if if you've talked to anybody who lived in new york for for any length of time you you just see famous people (laughs) you kind of get it's it's like kind of uh, mind blowing at first when you happen like you'll see like two famous people in the same day and you're like oh my god but you get kind of used to it after a while like and, and it's it's delightful like um, but the big uh, there's so many different stories I could tell about running into people I mean we I used to work at a bakery on uh, on Lexington Lexington Avenue there where a bunch of famous people came in um, uh, Steve Martin um, uh, Woody Allen no I did see Woody Allen a lot of t- bunch of times. I saw used to see Woody Allen and Soon Yi a couple times in Central Park, but most of the time they'd be walking up and down Fifth Avenue, which runs alongside Central Park. And along that street, too, I saw um, Art Garfunkel a couple of times, probably standing outside his apartment building there. Um, I saw Whoopi Goldberg just by chance standing on a corner, street corner, talking with somebody. Um, Tim Burton, director Tim Burton, walked by the, the coffee shop one day and, uh, uh, oh gosh, oh, um, Sigourney, yeah. huh? Yeah. Oh, Sigourney Weaver came in. I, I waited on her in the, in the coffee shop one, one afternoon. She came in with her daughter, Charlotte. And I only remember that name because she shouted her daughter's name probably two dozen times the whole time. Charlotte, Charlotte, no, Charlotte, no. And when she left, because um, all, the, all the, our regulars were sitting in, in there. This is a very small coffee shop, by the way, a very, very tiny shop. And they were all just being quiet. And as soon as Sigourney left, and she was really, she was delightful, yeah, um, really, really nice, uh, nice lady. And she, you know, she thanked me when she left, and it's very, very nice. And as soon as she left and closed the door, all the regulars start turning. I can't believe she can't control her her, her child, <laughs> you know, because the, Charlotte was just running around annoying everybody. Apparently, anyway, um, I'm sure she's grown up into a delightful young woman now. I, I don't know, 
Settle down, settle down. <laughs> this was a long time ago. Too early for this crap, chat. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the the story that Patrick's trying to steer me towards. I, I ran into David Byrne twice. All right, that's enough. <laughs> uh, there was one time I was leaving. I used to work after the bakery. I got David a, Byrne. No, he, he's David the, Byrne, the lead singer and songwriter and Talking Heads. Ah, uh, yes. And he's now he right currently. I just I uh, found this out recently. He's got a show on Broadway right now. Uh, he did a performance on Jimmy Fallon, which I'm not a fan of the Jimmy Fallon show. I know yeah, you're not either. Hell with that guy. But our friend John Riesenfeld texted me one one night and said, "Hey, David Burns coming on Jimmy Fallon in a couple minutes." And so I, t- I turned it on and it was fantastic. He did Road to Nowhere uh, with his band, and this, this was this reminded me of an idea that you had actually that we've never actually uh, implemented. Was to do do a couple of songs in a set at a festival where we we just go wireless and like the drummer has a snare in front of him. And we yeah, well, don't give and, out. And we walk. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but he he that's his whole show. He does the whole show that way, and it's this really sort of elaborate, I know, elaborately I, choreographed. Yeah, he's been ripping me off for years. Yeah, son of a bitch. <laughs> that was really cool. So he wrote he did row the nowhere, which was like that was that was kind of the song that not the first song of theirs I heard, but the first one I heard that I was like, wow, this is really cool, and it, it hit me at the right time where I was open to you know hearing new bands and that was kind of my door into talking heads and that that's a whole longer story which i'm not going to get into right now um suffice it to say talking heads and david byrne himself were tremendously uh important in my early musical days um david byrne was kind of like elvis to me he was he was everything <laughs> you know i learned how to play guitar from watching him i learned how to sing i learned how to dance from watching him all this stuff um but there was one time I was leaving after, after the bakery. I worked at Calvin Klein and the design offices and and uh, the garment district of Manhattan, and a lot of famous people I saw there too. Which it would take me the whole show to go down, run down the list of everybody I ran into. But when I was leaving work one day, I see this guy riding up Seventh Avenue on a bicycle as I'm waiting across the street, and he's wearing a got this uh, white hair. And this orange jumpsuit, jumpsuit he was wearing, and he's riding up, and he's like, "God, that kind of looks like David Byrne." And he gets closer, and he looks straight at me as he's riding past, and I realize that was David Byrne. <laughs> and now I know, I know now that he's he's really fond of of bicycle riding. He he gets around, he's been getting around on 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 a bike in New York, I think, pretty much the whole time he's lived there. And uh, he does that. When he tours, he takes up a fold-up bicycle with him on tour. So he goes out and rides around every city that they, they go to so he can get some exercise and just get to know the city. He did that here. He wrote a blog entry about Houston uh, a long time ago. So that that, would, that alone was was pretty trippy. But the, the kicker was uh, a few months later, um, I had a friend who worked at uh, Calvin named Gina who uh, her boyfriend was... Uh, the manager of a band called Cisse. And so she was telling me all these stories about this band. And uh, at one point they met David Byrne. I forget how the story, the whole story of how this happened, but David Byrne signed them to his record label at the time called the Waka Bop, which I don't know if that label is still in operation or not. Um, but there was a bunch of, you know, sort of world music type bands signed to that. Like exactly the kind of stuff that you, if you're familiar with David Byrne, exactly the kind of stuff that you would imagine he would be into. Cissé was kind of like a, a polyrhythmic, um, kind of funk, kind of Latin kind of band. Um, they're still around. They still do stuff, actually. 
But I, I used to go see Cisse uh, whenever they'd play downtown. They played a lot of places in Greenwich Village and East Village and so forth. And one day, um, and I knew that you know Gina had already told me many stories about about meeting uh, them meeting David Byrne and so forth. And one night, uh, Cisse was going to play at this place called the Cooler, which was in the Meatpacking District of Manhattan. Um, Cooler. I want to go there. Yeah, <laughs> the Meatpacking District was, as you might think, it was a place where the meat meatpacking industry was and but oh i don't want to go there but a lot of these there was a lot of just like here now at sawyer yards um which is really close to where patrick lives it's a place where there was a a rice mill i think mm-hmm. over there yep so all these old buildings have been repurposed into new art galleries and restaurants and so forth uh meatpacking district was like that it probably still is but there was this one place down there called the cooler which used to be this huge indoor cooler to store meat uh, it was actually a really cool music venue i had been there a few times to see other bands and it's not there anymore, of course. All the all the bars I used to go to when I lived there are gone now. But she, Gina told me that it's pretty pretty sure thing that David Byrne's going to be there at this show. So, and she'd invited everybody. I went down there, and a lot of my friends from work were there. There, there were probably about twenty of us there. Uh, most of us uh, from the design department for CK Jeans, and some people from the art department. Um, I, I worked in an extension of the MIS department uh, called product data management. I was a, one of the people who helped all the designers with their, their data. This is back when computers were brand new. This is like 90, I mean, computers in, in, the, in the workplace anyway, and the internet was still brand new. So this was like 97, 98 or so forth. Um, anyway. So I go, I show up at the club and, and uh, almost immediately as I walk down into the club, this is the below level you walk downstairs to get into this place. Um, and the first room, just the, the club was divided into two rooms. This, the first room had this long bar and this kind of this air, seating area with couches and stuff. And, the, and the, the adjacent room is where the stage area was. And uh, immediately I see David Byrne sitting at the bar. And he's sitting there in this, in this uh, talking, just talking to this other dude sitting at the bar. And he's having, drinking a Rolling Rock. That's how I recall. And I don't know if I remember that just because the Rolling Rock had an ad had campaign where they took the line from a from from a Once in a Lifetime, same as it ever was. So <laughs> I don't know if, if, if he was actually was drinking Rolling Rock or if I just put that my memory just put that there because I associate it with them because of that billboard I saw. Um, but David Burns sitting there, he's wearing this like a Hawaiian style shirt. This is in the middle of summer. It's like the middle of July, wearing the short sleeve Hawaiian shirt and this little uh, like a. a um, a straw fedora. And I remember thinking he kind of looked like Don Knotts. <laughs> um, and so I, I'm hanging out with my friends and we all, everybody knows that David, David Burns sitting there. And one of, one of my friends from the art department, we're both of us are huge talking heads fans and the, the people keep but bugging us. Like you should go talk to him. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> we don't want to bother him. And so uh, fast forward to when the show is about to start and uh, I go into the other room in the stage room with my friend Michelle, who also worked at Calvin. And I notice Michelle comes up and we're talking and I look behind me, right behind me, David's leaning against the soundboard just by himself, but leaning against the soundboard, soundboard in the back of the room, waiting for the show to start. Just like, just like a regular dude. It's like the, that's exactly where I would have gone, you know, if I was here by myself. And, uh, He's just a few feet behind us, like well within earshot. I'm sure he can, and I knew they could hear everything we're saying. Michelle comes up. She has no idea that David's standing behind me. And uh, said, hey, did you know David Burns here? He's like, yeah, 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 I know. And, uh, you know, not 
telling her that he's standing right behind us. And wouldn't it be cool if he got on stage and played with a band? I was like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, and so then fast forward a little bit into the show. I've moved closer to the stage. The band has been playing for a while and the crowd is up close to the, to the stage and they're dancing and I'm, I'm up there dancing in the crowd and I, somebody's dancing next to me and I look over standing right next to me is David Byrne dancing at the same time as me. And I, I was, I remember remark, uh, thinking in that moment, how, how just, he was like shorter than me. I think he's maybe an inch shorter than me. And I didn't really realize that until then. But here, here I am dancing next to the guy who taught me everything I knew, <laughs> everything I cherished about music from, from, you know, I learned how to dance by watching Stop Making Sense. And here he is just being a regular dude, just, you know, bopping away in the crowd like a regular guy. And I just, I, I should have, you know, I, I think back to the moment, I was like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> I could have at least said, hey, man, this is a great, great band. You know, it, it did well signing these guys or something. I just couldn't work up the courage to talk to him. But I knew I couldn't think but help it. He 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 was in within earshot. He heard me talking about him. He knew that I was a fan of his. So I almost I felt like he was like like you know like kind of going hey you know here I am <laughs> you can talk to me if you want that sort of thing because he was extremely accessible. And then at the end the the night wound up where I was after the show where um, me and my friends were hanging out um, in the club towards the back, and I'm. This was right, right before I was leaving New York, actually. I already knew at this point that I was moving back to Houston. So this was 99, 1999, summer of 1999. And uh, I glance over to, this, to where the stairs lead up to the, the exit of the club. And right then, David Byrne, I see David Byrne leaving by himself. And he turns and looks straight at me as he's leaving. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's almost like this, like encountering a magical like woodland creature in the middle <laughs> In the middle, in the middle of the, the of, uh, of the woods, and and it's like this split second, like, oh my god, I can't believe it, it, seeing him on his bicycle alone was was amazing enough. But to have this entire <laughs> evening there, but to me, I, I always, I always thought of New York as like this uh, one big conscious entity. There's the city itself, and to me, I always remember remembered that night as like the city kind of. You know, kind of see, seeing me off, like there you go. <laughs> you know, this is this is a uh, here's here's something that you just thought of as as like a uh, this unattainable fantasy like um, ideal. This guy that this your big hero, but he's just a regular guy like everybody else, and here he is hanging out. David Byrne, I have to look him up. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do recall I do recall New York having that. Uh, you know, every time we've been there. It, it has that magical feel to it. It, it has a, it has a, it has a uh, aura, if you will, of that you know that not a lot of cities have. Uh, most cities don't, but um, uh, there, there is, there is that, there is that element of. I don't know what it is. There, there's that, that element of any moment mm-hmm. you turn the corner and something. Yeah, you know something unique's gonna happen. Something's you know it's just a, it's just where the magic happens. Well, that's not. Uh, yeah, it it really is. It, it's uh, I've never I've never been able to explain it. Obviously, there's thirty minutes. Of, uh, but um, uh, Dublin has Dublin has become a very very large city in a very 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 small area. Yeah, and uh, to me, going home now doesn't 
it, it, it all feels brand new because it's, it's so, I don't recognize any of the shops. There's a handful of, you know, old businesses that have hung on, but just everything seems to be brand new. The people don't look the same. The, they don't obviously don't dress the same. And there's, there's just, it's so compact and it's so, uh, uh, everybody's, you know, just all over each other. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's strange, but it's still, it still has, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a glimmer of the old town that used to be there. And yeah. we, we, we would see, we would see people. I think New York is similar to Dublin in that we, if you saw somebody famous, you just kind of nod or, right. you know, if you're an eye shot or, but you don't make a scene and you definitely don't yeah. talk to them and you definitely let them do their thing. Right. And Dublin's famous for that. Cause I, 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 I had a few sightings of Phil Lynott from St. Lizzie just, mm-hmm. uh, um, and there would be a buzz right directly after it was like, you know, think of a wake, the wake of a boat, you know, there'd be a, there'd be a, a hiss or a buzz or a, a shimmer or something that would happen after he'd left. Cause there was a, <gasps> that was, you know, yeah. him. and, um, uh, Boner for Bono from Thin Lizzy. He he had the he, he, uh, for from Thin Lizzy from U two. He he'd be in the he'd be in the 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 area, and you'd hear people talking. Oh yeah, Bono's here, Bono's, here. and you know for 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 fans, it's a big deal, obviously, and for you know, but just but just for regular people from Dublin would not really not that they wouldn't care that much. And um, I remember my mother telling the story of. Her friend, um, he was a doctor. Um, he was in Dalkey, where Bono would frequent. He, he's he's just he lives just down the road from from uh, from Dalkey mm-hmm. on Kalani Hill. But he was he had bought a new Jaguar and he was driving it through and it, he'd I stopped at a light or something. And he'd, he'd asked John if uh, he said, you know, yeah, I just got it. Do you like it? He, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the, that was the whole that was the whole exchange, and uh, but he knew who he was obviously because because uh, they they don't pay their taxes. I mean they're uh, they're, right. they're famous for uh, for their music, um, but uh, um, and and, and that reminded me of another story back here in Houston, coming back across the ocean here, and um, uh, w- w- one of my absolute favorite encounters of all time uh, was. When I was bartending, mm-hmm. I opened the the Continental Club here, which which we're going to be here. We're going to be at the Continental Club this Sunday, all ages three to six. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Yes, but so I opened this club um, many, many, many moons ago, and uh, uh, I was bartending, and the sound man there, the main sound guy that actually's been main sound guy there for 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 many a year now is a uh, uh, Chris Heinrich, mm-hmm. he has, uh, he, he, he's, uh, Chris is one of these, or Chris, as he's yeah. known at the club, he is an uh, in, 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 in incredible musician, but also uh, an amazing sound guy, mm-hmm. but, and also a, a great engineer as well. He's, uh, is he still at House of Blues, too? The- I have no idea. Yeah. No idea. Um, Probably not because I think he's over at Rockefellers and he's uh, he does a bunch of stuff and he's always wheeling and dealing as Chris. But uh, yeah, so he's done work, some work with Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, mm-hmm. and uh, 
a lot of people would kind of, a lot of people here in Houston will claim ZZ Top as as you know a Houston band. Uh, Dusty Hill being from Dallas, you know some some people might agree, but they don't count. So, um, uh, but anyway, so this one night, Billy Gibbons arrives in the club, and and again g- going back to, to 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 Ireland for a second. Am I tired? The uh, uh, ZZ Top never really made it until Eliminator, until the, you know the you know all the hits, all the MTV hits came out, and uh, I remember going to see them at the RDS uh, in Dublin with my brother Andrew, and uh, so now we're back in Houston. All right, you following? Good. And uh, I'm bartending, and Billy Gibbons had come in. Well, I was introduced to Billy Gibbons, and I was just floored because this guy is in the club and he's just as mellow and as unassuming and just background as you want to be just just and and just you know eye contact hand firm handshake uh and 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 he's 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 not he's not very boisterous you know he's, he's just very very he's got a he's got that uh you know and he talks like, and he's smooth, and he's, yeah. and he's just, he's just, he's ex- exactly how he plays guitar. Yeah. You know, he's just brilliant. You know, he's just, yeah. just a, um, such a, such a, such a, just, just, you know, you, you, you could, you could think that it's simple because it looks, it looks like it's simple on the top, but if you take the time to look into it, there's a lot going on there. That's Billy in, yeah. in my estimate. So anyway. Shook his hand, and I said, man, it's a pleasure to meet you. I said, I saw you at the RDS back when Eliminator hit. My brother and I went to see, and I just, I have to tell you, it was, it was, you know. Cool. Mind-blowing. Again, and, that, and, and it, was a, it was an outdoor show, and it was, day, it was a day, daytime show as well, which was weird. Um, huh. But I remember how, I remember his guitar tone. And again, I wasn't, I had a guitar. I didn't yeah. know how to play it. And um, not much has changed. Um, but the, I remember the, t- there's just the sound of the guitar was, was to, to, was to me the, the best, best part of the show. Just, mm. Anyway, so, uh, so I told him that and he was, he was, you know, he got a kick out of that and that was it, you know, and, um, and if, then a few weeks later, Billy Gibbons is back in the club. And at that point I had a cowboy hat on my hair in the hat and I'm working, whatever, <laughs> And I kid you not, he came over to me and he leaned over the bar and it was kind of loud that night. And he leaned over the bar and he said, this is weeks later. And yeah. he said, Patrick, tell me you didn't cut your hair. <laughs> and I said, I mean, I, 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 I really did. I nearly fainted. I said, not only did this guy remember my name, he remember who I was. And, and then he took out of his pocket, uh, as, uh, if you've ever seen the little stick it pads, the the little notepads the the they're just uh-huh. post-its. Yeah, post-it post-it yeah. notes yes thank you the the they just peel them off well he had essentially one of those a rectangular stack of those uh, or you know like a, like a post-it note thing yeah. and uh, it had his picture on it with the it was essentially a shrunken version of the guitar player magazine that he was on and I guess they had sent him this so he signed it oh cool and then he signed another one and he said uh, he said Give that to your bro, is uh, what he said, and I was so. Uh, so he not only remembered my name, not remember, he remembered you know the hair, and uh, he remembered the story from the you know from seeing him at the artist, and 
uh, and then then I t- of course I, I you know I tell Chris you know I was like oh my god and and Chris said yeah he's kind of known for that he's one of these people that will if you meet him a year later he'll remember, he'll remember your name you. and he's yeah. a, and there's a there's a there's a um, you know we had Paul Beebe on the show and I've, I just pointed to his house in case anybody's wondering where he yeah yeah so uh, we had Paul Beebe on the show his older brother David. He was the one that hired me to 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 uh, uh, at the Continental Club, and that reminded me too of he's David Beebe is one of those memories too. He rattled off my home phone number. David Beebe did a year. I mean, it had to be two or three years after I had met him. Wow! And because he, he had offered me the job, he said, "I want you to come work at this club that we're opening, and it's called the Continental Club. It's called live music, blah blah blah." And he said, "Are you still at?" And he listed my home phone number. <laughs> and I just looked at him and go, that's it. What you know, he didn't know he was running into me that day. You know, it's just yeah. Anyway, so so, yeah. so you know, people that people that uh, that have that kind of memory, mm-hmm. Billy Gibbons is one of them, and it's just it's unnerving when you know how many people that that guy runs into. Yeah, and to have that, you know, so oh yeah, just a just a an incredible. So I guess. He- you don't have that post-it known anymore? I, I think I? I do. And I did send uh, my brother, Andrew, I sent him the the other one. Uh, and, and, and the cool thing about, you know, there's a, there's, the, there's, a whole, there's a whole world of autographs and, you know, memorabilia and this kind of stuff. Of course, there's this, mass, you know, Hard Rock Cafe on, on you, know, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all this stuff. There's all this, yeah, memorabilia trading this whole world of which I, I i've never been into and i don't care to 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 collect autographs and, yeah. and stuff you know yeah um i've never asked anybody for an autograph <laughs> yeah yeah i'm embarrassed to say i have because i can oh, yeah yeah because because it you wouldn't guess well nobody, i mean what is it even I, would guess. yeah most of the time i don't even work up the courage to talk to him anyway but yeah well that's yeah and that's that's fair enough but i mean you know uh Again, when I asked for it, and I was a kid when I asked for it, um, I was on a trip to London with my dad. And uh, anyway, I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but so there's this, there's this huge, just uh, alternate universe of people that trade in memorabilia and do autographs and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and, and, and you learn really quickly. <laughs> When you when you see that and when you're open to it, the amount of fake stuff there is, you know, there's it, it, yeah. It, uh, but the cool thing about uh, Billy Gibbons is, and Chris had told me this, uh, that he won't sign a guitar because fr- another friend of mine had asked me a while back. He goes, "Oh, oh I've got this guitar that you have a, you know," and uh, and so he won't sign that because there are there are so many people forging and. Stuff like that, you know. So, so it's it's kind of cool that 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 they bring that, you know, that pad with them. You know, they could sign these things that that yeah. are actually authentic, and they're gonna because I've seen these signatures, I've seen these fake signatures yeah. on things because people have offered me, hey, do you want to buy this guitar? With the thing, I don't want a guitar. I have a yeah. acoustic guitar with a bunch of uh, coated with signatures. Yeah, but it's it's it's. Um, uh, I bought it. It's actually a decent sounding guitar. But uh, that's why I bought it. I didn't really care for the yeah. people that I, that had ori- originally who I thought signed it. And uh, but, um, 
Yes, yeah, so, but but that was the thing that I that just baffles me is that the amount of people that will line up for the uh, Mark Knopfler's got a great song about uh, about um, autograph the people that that are always backstage and oh really they, yeah well, yeah they know it's uh, Rudiger Rudiger I believe is the name of the uh, huh. song but just a fantastic number and it's kind of got that um, it's a solo number yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's on Golden Heart, which was a. a, a oh, okay. A, I'm not sure. I, I I don't check out. You know, when when Mark and I chat, we don't ever talk about album sales. But I wouldn't imagine that was one of his bigger uh, selling records. But it has some incredible tracks on it, and very, you know, again, a lot of mellow stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right, the song you're talking about it has kind of a. I think you're talking about the feel of the song. Yes. Um, uh, Chapman, the uh, the guy that killed, yeah, Mark David Chapman. Thank you, Mark David Chapman. Um, he, uh, it, it has that kind of feel to the song, and I, I always went to for some reason. I was always when I heard that song, and I, you know, kind of, you know, in your mind's eye when you kind of picture the, I always kind of had that that John Lennon as a creeper. Yeah, uh, just yeah, just that, killer, it, it, yeah, shit. not serial killer, but but uh, yeah, so 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 celebrity it, it, it assassin, had, yeah, 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 it just just had that had that dark element to it. It's a beautiful mm. song, really, really beautiful song, and uh, um, oh, I to, uh, I'll put I, it in the show notes, huh? I'll put the song in the show notes so everybody well, can hear go. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, John Nanny had sent a book uh to Chad, but Chad already had it. <laughs> so I'm reading, and uh, but it was it I'm was hard a, to buy for. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so anyway, so um, that song again kind of came back into my head once I had you know yeah. re re read the Chapman thing. So yeah, um, but yeah, so uh, the 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 autograph thing and the the standing in line and after show and stuff like that, no interest. Um, couple of really really quick stories or so uh um i i had back in the day here in houston the concert venue to go to was the summit mm-hmm. which turned out the compact center which is now a just lakewood awful yeah. awful place yeah uh but back in the day the music i saw some incredible shows there and uh not a big allison chains fan but i saw them when they were on the top you know when they had just their their big single had hit yeah they were opening for anthrax and uh, a bunch of these uh uh, actually, anyway, so um, I got a press only pass. Um, a friend of mine worked at Cactus Radio or Cactus Records and Tapes back when it was uh, on Shepherd. But uh, yeah, I got so a press only pass to go and see uh, Queensrÿche, and yeah. uh, again, not a fan, not a not a not a. I was a big fan, you know, un- until they until they kind of hit the commercial thing and th- then they just just released this awful awful it it it, it, it kind of felt like um like very moody very uh experimental just just awful stuff but they had this singer jeff tate who was this you just we, we saw them back in ireland when they opened for deal back in the back in the 80s and uh this guy's voice was insane the things this guy could do just and, and yeah. you know great twin guitars and you know kind of like a, a a progression to the thin lizzie you know but but the, but they had had a lot of 
a lot of weight to the music and whatnot. Anyway, so I, I, I kind of gone to see, to check them out and, and I wouldn't have gone without, uh, without the, cause I, I was kind of off them by then, but, um, I went to, so, so I got backstage and, um, standing there and the, uh, I think it was, I think it was Scott Rockenfield. The drummer came out, but they're in jeans and t-shirts and the press had no idea who they were going to interview or who they were talking to. So the, so the drummer had walked in and, uh, I kind of nodded and said hello and I'm not, I've no questions. I've no, of course I'm not in the press. I'm just, you know, back there because <laughs> a friend of mine, but, uh, and I have really nothing to say, you know, it was just, okay. You know, Hey, nice to meet you. And, uh, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> my head's moving so, so much faster than my mouth. Um, but anyway, so so the, so everybody's kind of still just standing there, just kind of staring at their at their notepads or you know hands in their pockets. And there are no phones back there. There's no right, you know. So uh, they're uh, they're and they're people with tape recorders and whatnot ready to to ask questions, but they didn't know that the band's in there. <laughs> Because these, because they're not dressed in so leather and assuming, you, know, yeah. chain, you know, yeah. So, uh, uh, so I, I and, and it was awkward. Just this tension in the room because you know, <laughs> the, well, w- w- what are we doing here? And then somebody else came in, uh, um, guitar player. I can't remember his name. Um, I know Jeff Tate and Scott Rockenville. That's it. Um, but uh, and then Jeff Tate came in and he's kind of he's a smaller smaller guy. You know, they're. Uh, uh, the, all those photographers earn their money too because they make these guys look like they're tw- you know twelve feet tall you know, but uh, he came in and he's kind of unassuming and uh, and and they're 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 not big boisterous personalities you know they're just you know yeah so they come in and so uh, I kind of nudge one of the guys from the go eh, that's that's the singer you might want to and then the, uh, the the pens come out oh hey you know then so that was that was a very that was a that was a strange moment. The other yeah. time I went backstage at the summit was to meet Iron Maiden. Yeah, and uh, of course Bruce Dickinson did not come out. Uh, Nick and McBrain did not come out, and uh, I think it was just Dave Murray and Steve Harris. And and again, it was it was one of those things where it was a, a press only thing, and I I got to shake the hand, say hello, but I didn't. You know, there's so many people there, and it was you know such a such a thing. I just you know just in the same room with them for a minute. So that was yeah. uh, it was great to be back there. But again, I wouldn't have gone. You know, I you know if if you're if you're familiar with any of the Iron Maiden crew, you know the people you want to talk to are Adrian Smith and me, right? And, and Nico McBrain, just because Nico, he's just any word is any word is a keyword to start him off. He's just he's he's one of those just brilliant personalities. Just and yeah. talk to anything. Yeah. And I mean anything. Yeah. And anybody about anything. So, uh, but it was still, you know, still a wonderful, yeah, you know, wonderful experience. To- That's cool. I would definitely want to talk to Steve to, to talk about Genesis because I know he's a huge fan of Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, again, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's another, it takes another personality. I don't have that personality to where you put me in a room with, you know, a celebrity and I, cause a, a, fr- a friend of ours, a, a friends of our family, uh, in when, when we lived in Dublin, uh, we lived next door to a family called the Shields and they were, uh, 
uh, I mean, we, 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 you know, a few years living side by side, but we also stayed in touch for, you know, you know, for, for a lifetime. And, um, Kevin Shields went on to form, uh, my bloody Valentine, which some would argue, mm-hmm. you know, my, especially my bloody Valentine fans would argue one of the best bands ever. And Kevin Shields is extremely quiet. And he was brilliant back in the day. You knew he was brilliant back in the day. Not very talkative, but just very, some of the things that he said back then even stayed with me till, till, to this day. Very, 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 very deep thinker. Yeah. Um, and when they came to town, uh, his sister, Anne Marie, had said, Hey, you know, he's going to be in Austin. Do you want to mm-hmm. go? And yeah, yeah, we'll go back just to, 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 to meet him. Yeah. And, uh, that's when we went with Mary. Yes. Austin. Yeah. And, yeah. Cause you remember the, cause we're backstage. Yeah. And it's, and it's awkward because people are, you know, people are, are huge fans of the music and some of them don't know how to talk to him, which, you know, you and I, you know, we've, you talk all the time, obviously, but, but we put them in the room, put, put us in that room and you see the, you feel that tension of people trying to, uh, you know, they want to say, you know, how the music makes them feel, yeah. where they heard you first, you know, they want to give you that it's, story. It's hard, yeah. And it's, it's extremely yeah, difficult. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so going backstage, I, we didn't talk music at all. Yeah. We was just, you know, just kind of catching up. We hadn't seen each other right. in essentially a lifetime. And, you know, here you are in Austin, Texas, kind of looking at each other going, oh, yeah. you know, so, so it's, it's, it, yeah, it definitely is a, it's a weird uh, dynamic. There's a, there's a, there's always that, that invisible wall that you have to climb, go under, mm-hmm. bust through, whatever it is, you know, there's just that. Yeah. And it's, it, 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 it it's extremely difficult. I remember asking, um, Kevin about his his effects because he had if people don't know he he's, he's got like forty effects pedals in front of him or something crazy like he that. has I, I have a shot pilots. of I have yeah. a shot of a bird's eye view because we got to yes. go sort of backstage this the balcony area yeah which w- wasn't where we were for the show but we uh I, I don't know how we got up there it must have been he he must have taken us up there at some point but he yeah we, at, I guess it was after the show we we went out. And he was, he went out for a smoke on the, on the, uh, on the fire, not the fire escape, but the, you know, this, one of the stage doors we're yeah. sitting on the stairs uh, and talking. That's where I actually met him, I think initially, or I remember talking with him, but I just remember asking him about the pedals and he says, there, was there like any kind of order to that stuff? Cause he did some crazy stuff with it at the end. He's like, no, I was just kidding. <laughs> I think he just said he was just going, doing random, you know, kind of experimenting. But he, I remember his, his face lit up when I asked him about, you know, his gear, he was like, it's pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite part. The main thing I remember about talking with him, but yeah, he's very, he's so, so, uh, so soft-spoken and just a down to earth guy. Yeah. You know? But I, I, one of the reasons why I, I, as you were just saying about struggling with how, how do you, <laughs> you have so much to say to this, these heroes. If you have a chance to meet them, it's like, where do you start? I mean, that's why, I knew if I even started talking to David Byrne that night that I was just going to fumble over myself. And I'd already met, had an experience with this when I met Reeves Gabrels, uh, famous, uh, well, he's famous to me, a guitar player. He's mainly famous for working with David Bowie for a very long time. And I went to go see him play. This is also when I was living in New York. It was about probably a year or two before the David Byrne story. Uh, one summer, 
when he was between tours with with uh, David Bowie, he was playing with this band, Modern Farmer, uh, out of Boston, and they came down and played a show at this uh, bar in the East Village called Brownies, also long gone. Uh, I used to go there all the time. It's a great, great uh, bar to see uh, see bands, and uh, the intimate bar too. You know, it's one of those where it's just standing room. There's no seats or anything. That, that type of club. And so I went to go see this band, and Modern Farmer was okay. They weren't wasn't really my kind of thing. They were really sort of sort of pop band, and it was uh, one of many bands that that Reeves had been in over the years. And uh, but he was, fa- I mean, just seeing him up close and. He Reeves is amazing no matter what he's doing. <laughs> and so I was just up there watching him do all this just incredible guitar work just up close. Nobody's standing in front of me. He's basically like just a few feet in front of me on the stage. And so I was like, oh, this is my chance. I get to, get, I, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to do it. Cause I'd had a couple beers by this point. So my, I was a little, a little loosened up. And uh, as soon as the show's, and I should have known better, as soon as the show's over, uh, last song, I just walk up to shake his hand. This, man, that was great. Um, hey, man, how's it going? Man, I, I love all the stuff you did with Tim Machine. And blah, blah, blah. I started gushing. He was like, oh, yeah, cool. Just just give me, he's very polite. Just give me one second to get this stuff off the stage. <laughs> and then we can talk. And I was so mortified. I was like, oh, of course. <laughs> and never mind the, the, the strange thing. Here's Reeves Wells, who, who does tours stadiums globally with David Bowie at the time. Now he's touring with The Cure. He's actually uh, a full-time member of The Cure now. Um, just like anybody else, this this night he was just like any other guy in any other band. He had to get his stuff off the stage because there was another band coming on, you know, in a few minutes. As we talked about on the show, it's like you got to you know get the hell off the stage. You know, that's what he was. He was in the middle of the get the hell off the stage moment, which I should have known. And I was, <laughs> I was, I was unreasonably embarrassed, you know, because he 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 gets he he had those all the time. People trying to talk to him all the time. He he knows, but I was I was I. That was one of the reasons why after that I just didn't want to just go up and go blah, 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 <laughs> to any any of my heroes that I met because I it's one of those things where I start talking I just, I, just, I'm, I can't stop sometimes. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, so th- there many 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 stories. Music is a strange and wonderful beast. And uh, speaking of strange and wonderful, we are going to be doing the toy drive this Sunday, this coming Sunday mm-hmm. at the Continental Club, three to six. If the weather stays like it's supposed to, we're going to have a little surprise on Sunday. So, uh, three to six, and uh, uh, there's every band that's playing is fantastic. I I want to say, especially, uh, please come out and see Trish Cramblett and the Bad Habits. Yeah. Because she is. some would say an up and coming, uh, you know, song songwriter. She she is already uh, at at the top of her game. She has been for quite a while, mm-hmm. but she is writing some amazing stuff. She's working with Paul Beebe, yeah, um, and uh, she's she's endless too. She just keeps every time I talk to Paul, you know, he's just kind uh, <laughs> of. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, had Trish in the studio again. So she's she's constantly writing. She's uh, you know um, everything. So, so just come see that band. Just make sure you're there for that. And uh, Joe Shemensky, who uh, puts this whole thing together, he's he's going to be playing this year. So don't miss that dog party. Yeah, be and um, then we got acoustic trails. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of the same. We're kind of doing the same bands, but 
adding l- little pieces to them mm-hmm. every year. So we're going to have uh is an open mission choir singing as well. I think uh, I I know that we that we'll always leave a slot for them if sometimes they can't make it, but they're going to be supplying the barbecue. That's right, yeah. which is going to be just incredible. So oh, they uh, are they are yeah they're on they're on the poster. Okay, good, yeah. good, good, good. So yeah, so you can see the you can see the poster on blackguards dot com. Mm-hmm. You can also see our uh, house concert page there, and also the Ireland information. Yeah, I would just really quickly about Rock Sh- Rock the Shelter too. Uh, the show we're doing on Sunday, uh, it's a benefit for the Salvation Army family residents in Houston and the Open Door Mission, as we already mentioned. But uh, the mission is free with a donation, and you can bring a gift card, which is especially needed right now for so this is something that kids of all ages can make use of, not just the little ones. And also, if you want to bring a toy, make sure you bring it unwrapped. Um, or if you want to, you can also just bring a check uh, made payable to Salvation Army family residents. Yeah, the money goes directly or, to or, that shelter, not to yes, not to it. It's not going to a corporate office to where it's you know pissed down to nothing. Right, this is going directly to the everything is is yeah. uh, Joe Shemensky and Kelly Shemensky bring it directly to mm-hmm. the uh, the 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 shelter. So it's not there's, yeah. it, it's not being diluted and it's not being yes. you know there's no. Nothing being taken out of right. it, so it's a that's that that's why we do it, and that's why yeah. So yeah, so you can write it out to Salvation Army Family Residence or Open Door Mission. If you, I don't expect you to remember that, <laughs> just for me mumbling it. But if you go to blaggers dot com, um, the poster with all the information. There's a blog entry there with all the information that you need, uh, so you can be ready ahead of time. Um, what else was I going to say? At Friday and Saturday, we're at yeah. Moe's, Cypress and Katie. Yeah. So if you want to, uh, you want to come out and get some good grub and some, uh, some uh, gorgeous weather and uh, some loud rock and roll. All right. Well, so, so much for a short show. This was uh, <laughs> even longer than last week. Yeah. Once we cut all the shit out, it's going to be <laughs> 20 minutes. I, the, the subject of, I, I, there's so many freaking stories. Like I, I know. I, we've only just barely touched the surface of it. And, yeah. But um, thanks for listening, y'all. Oh, and I forgot to say at the beginning of the show, this was this has been Slabbercast episode number 43. So tune in next week for number 44. And uh, thanks very much, y'all. Yeah, thanks for listening. All right, bye-bye. Oops. <laughs>